Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. This week, we actually got our first band on. Yay! It's been freaking long enough, don't you think? So uh, I'm actually kind of on full force trying to find new artists and put new artists and stuff out there. If you've maybe seen some of my posts or uh, my ads or whatnot, uh, go ahead and go to Not Today Robot and drop in your band, man. I'd love to hear them, for one. For two, I am looking over some artists to uh, find out if they're somewhat compatible in a prior episode we once talked about how uh, a band itself is kind of like marrying five other people four other people uh, i kind of feel probably the same way about uh the record label and the band i mean you kind of like if we don't mesh together well like it's just not going to work out well even our just our personalities <laughs> but uh this week i had on out of time they're from florida and they're really good dudes uh our personalities definitely are pretty close to each other and we have a good time. We talk about uh, their jobs and how COVID kind of affected not only their jobs, but their band. They were totally touring midway through, totally touring, and uh, they got stopped basically in the middle of it uh, when it all hit. So uh, we talk about that. We talk about how they boosted their uh, online engagement via memes and other things, uh, how they got a sponsorship and they used that money for recording. And uh, we talk about a whole lot of stuff just to kind of get to know each other as a possibility of possibly working together in the future. Uh, we also talk about our uh, favorite nerd shows and such, uh, since they're, they seem to be uh, into a lot of sci-fi stuff as well as I am. So it was a really good time, and I uh, got to know these guys real well. Hey, if you've actually been listening to this podcast and you really enjoy it, please uh, head over to uh, Apple Podcasts and head, give me a review if you can, and uh, subscribe. Also, we're on YouTube and pretty much any podcasting app. It would be awesome if you could do that, and uh, I would really appreciate it. But without further ado... James and Justin from Out of Time. I remember last time I was out in California, we went from Ventura and we drove all the way to Palm Springs. And it was, we got to Palm Springs at midnight and it was 105 degrees at midnight. It's nuts out there, dude. Uh, we, I think I went to Vegas a year and a half ago and it was 115. It was, yeah. it was oh insane. God. I was like, how can you live here? No, there's no way. I can't. I was like, I couldn't breathe. It was like, it was literally midnight and I couldn't breathe outside. I'm like, I need to go inside. I'm like, I will sleep in whatever I have. I'll leave the suitcase out there to melt. That's, that's like Miami, man. Miami is so humid. Oh my God. I don't know. So oh. we're both, we're both, we both grew up in Miami originally. And I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think Miami is as bad as people think. It's not as bad as Orlando in the middle of August. <laughs> it is literally the devil's asshole out here in the middle of August. I grew up outside Chicago, kind of on the Indiana side, and it yeah. was like it was nasty humid, and then like it was lake effect snow, so it was mm -hmm. either raining or dumping snow on you, or <laughs> it could be like frozen ice one day, and it could be like seventy degrees the next day, and you're like, what is going on? But uh, I I like the weather out here. Uh, I everything else I'm not so sure of. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic's but, uh, bad. Oh, yeah. Tourism's yeah. bad. My wife works at like LAX too. So like she works at the oh. airport, kind of they're building stuff out there. So that's what she does. And uh, every day she has to drive there and from here and back. We're basically oh. like in like from Pasadena kind of to, to LAX every freaking day for her. So yeah, it's a, it's a haul. And then, you know, I don't see, I get to see her like for an hour and then she conks out. <laughs> oh, All right. She wakes up, goes next. back to work. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. LA, LAX is a nightmare, man. I, I, I go to, I go to LA actually a lot for work and I yeah. fly to so much uh it's it's always slammed <laughs> yes it is what do you do james i work for the dod 
So they're nice. Is, uh, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm an analyst, I'm an analyst for them, uh, and then uh, basically I sold out and I stopped playing music for a few years. And uh, Justin and I, two years ago, were like, "Hey, let's play music again." So I told my job, "Hey, I'm gonna play in a band again." So that's been definitely a learning curve. <laughs> have they have they been open to that? I mean, obviously this year it's probably been a lot easier, yeah. but oh no, this year has been harder. I think. Oh yeah, harder. Yeah. Uh, the, the DOD basically has travel restrictions for employees and military personnel. So when mm. we were finishing up the up the record, I had to get approval to go down to Florida because of COVID. Um, ironically enough, I was super safe the entire time. My <laughs> wife got it while I was in Florida, so when I came home, I got COVID. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so it's a. Uh, it's been definitely interesting, especially with this administration and election. It's been uh, tense. Um, yeah, to say the least. But, but yeah, yeah, they, they've been really understanding with music. Uh, I get dr- I get randomly drug tested all the time, and and I and I don't smoke pot under any drugs, and like I get randomly. Dr- I have like tattoos. I have tattoos and shit, and like they always drug test me, and so I was like, oh, at random. But it's always not random. Yes. All those random drug tests. Yeah. It was it was crazy too because like his jobs really started like hitting the restrictions like while we were about to embark on our East Coast tour, Mm -hmm. so we had we rented the van and we drove all the way up to uh, DC. We picked him up, we played a show in DC, and then we played a show a house show in Richmond, and then shit hit the fan literally the next day, and we were seeing like the trickly like the trickle down effects of everything getting crazy in dc at the time and we were like uh we gotta go he got uh he had an instant travel ban (laughs) from his job where he couldn't leave like the the dmv area and uh we were just like yeah we gotta drive back home there goes tour (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's rough we flew home i think uh my parents and her parents and even my grandparents which were in are in their 80s they were like please come home and visit you know we want to see you we don't care blah blah, blah. and we want to you know and I'm, I'm like all right well we're gonna be if you want us to come home like we'll you know we're gonna make sure we take every precaution that we need to and uh we did all these crazy things to make sure that we didn't give it to them and then we got it from them <laughs> <laughs> so i was like we got there and like we played cards after, you know, and uh, tests and everything else. And we're like, oh, we're good. So like we play cards and then like that's how we got it. <laughs> they were playing <laughs> cards with us and they already had it. <laughs> and uh, so my entire family, her entire family is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst game of bridge ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's Ruck actually. <laughs> but yes. Actually- oh, <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. So I mean, we're already jumped into the podcast quite a bit, but like uh go ahead and you know, say the band that you're in and how long you've been. Just go ahead and talk a little bit about yourself. So I want everyone to know. James, you go first. Uh my name is James. <laughs> I play rhythm guitar and one of the vocalists in Out of Time. Uh I joined the band two years ago. So uh, Out of Time's been a band for about four years now and uh Justin and I go way back. We played in a couple bands together. So um, I joined back in 2018 and 2019, excuse me. And uh, it's been just like we, we, we've reformed a new lineup and it's been like just hit the ground running and new family. And I love all the guys and it's, it's awesome. 
Cool. Yeah. Um, my name is Justin. I'm the lead guitarist for Out of Time, and uh, one of the founding members. Um, we, Mike and I, the singer, we started the band back in 2015. We were in another band together, um, and it was it was it was interesting. It wasn't like the type of music that we wanted to play at the time in the band that we were in. So we were, we kind of started writing on the side, just songs that the band we were in didn't want to use. So that's kind of like how we started building out of time from there. And then once that band finally kind of just ended, we kept carrying it on with out of time. We uh, finally got a few members in, and we played a few good shows um, with some bands. And then at, towards the end of 2018, some of the members decided to kind of just leave. We're all on good terms. And then uh, I called James and I just said, hey, do you want to start writing again? And he's like, well, I travel all the time. So I'm normally in Florida every so often. So we kind of built it up from there. And then uh, he had some songs that he had that he brought over. We had some songs. And we kind of just built a set list and an EP out of it. And what year was this? Uh, 2019. January 2019. 2019. He flew down. Uh, we literally wrote... He brought. He came down with two songs. We finished up the two songs. And then um, my friends that I met here in Orlando, Nick, through mutual friends, he ended up joining um, on bass in backing vocals. And then we went through um, a few different friends uh, kind of stepped in for drums with us and um, kind of just went from there. And it was kind of, it's kind of crazy to think back on like the last two years. Um, Cause we, so we, we kind of started everything back up in January. We played our first official show back in March. Then we played uh, our Orlando's house of blues in May and then we went on a quick Florida run in August. And then in November, we opened for Bayside. Nice. So we won the Battle of the Bands for the Bayside contest. And that was kind of like a dream come true for us. James was on a cruise somewhere in Columbia. <laughs> and I, I called him and he managed to get the call. And I, he was like, I don't remember where you were. <laughs> and he I literally... And I literally just screamed in the middle of the ocean, holy fucking shit! Holy fucking shit! And people thought our shark was like swimming around us. So, uh, and my wife is in the water. Out. Yeah, and everyone's freaking out. My wife's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm fucking opening for Bayside. We're opening for Bayside. And we screamed. And then like, more people thought a shark was coming because my wife is screaming because my wife's a big Bayside fan. And it was the greatest thing. I got I got very drunk to celebrate. I sadly wasn't with all the guys, but yeah, that <laughs> Definitely one of the biggest like moments in my life, besides obviously me- marrying my wife. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> a little. I'm required <laughs> to say that. You're required exactly. to say that by law. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then so right after we played, um, we opened for Bayside. We put out um, an EP with a collection of songs that we had kind of written over the the past year. Uh, planned out our first tour that was supposed to start on uh, March the, was it the 13th? 13th, Friday the yeah. 13th. Friday the 13th, we drove up and we played we played a sold out show at DC9 in Washington, D.C. Yep. 
And then the next day we played at the Yellow House in Richmond and then shit hit the fan. And that's when it that's when, you know, COVID-19 became kind of the reality from there. Nice. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, I, I'll never to this day. I'll, I'll never forget it. It was like I remember since I live in the DMV, uh, them coming in and like everyone's so tense because of COVID, and uh, I was in charge of like so we had a we had a show booked in DC and then the, the venue went belly up, and we we had like two other venues that were backups and DC Nine, which awesome venue in DC. They treat their, their musicians really well for shows and mm -hmm. everything, and basically. Uh, we we brought these massive massive cabs up like how many flights of stairs? It was it was two flights of stairs. It was on the second floor, but it was like a fire escape. We had to carry all of our gear up, fa nope. up through. Yeah, it was definitely. Experience. They didn't have any kind of elevator. Nope. Why? <laughs> and and mind you, Josh, we have like these like is like two head ATA cases with eight space rack two, about oh two fifty three hundred pounds. Yeah, we we were all sweating by the end of it, but they gave us like free. Free booze and free and food. Free food. Oh, but it was awesome. Yeah, and it then so much better after that. I know, right? But then we had to take uh, it all downstairs. Yep, that was a lot easier, that was a lot easier though. Yeah. <laughs> Just get a sled. Yes, yes. I remember doing that a couple times in college, uh, like helping out at different concerts and whatnot, and you mm -hmm. get in for free and just lugging it up the stairs one time and almost like dying just because yep. of how heavy the stupid thing was. It comes down. If it's coming down, you're dead. It's just not happening. <laughs> that's why it's always better to be the person that's up the stairs, pulling it, not pushing <laughs> it. <laughs> oh yeah. Very nice. So what did you guys do after, I mean, all the COVID stuff happened? I mean, I, I've been preaching kind of like for, for a few years now to any artists that I've recorded, anything else in general, like you need to get on social media and whatnot. Did you guys step up your game that, that way? So with, uh, so we, we were able to, we kept pushing the EP um, that we had just released and I started looking for ways that we can kind of just boost engagement and kind of just, you know, interact with people more because people are at home. They're not doing anything. So we kind of decided just to take, um, you know, the the songs that we had written that didn't make it on the EP, start building those out. And we were in the process of, of recording a full-length album currently. But um, I needed to see what could we do to kind of just keep engagement alive. So we um, were all really big fans of the uh, canned water company, Liquid Death. And uh, we... We used them like a few other times before. Um, I had I had reached out to them when we were doing our Florida run and before we had gone on tour, just to say, hey, if you hook it up with a few cases of water, we're gonna buy a bunch. So for tour, I think I had maybe twenty boxes, twenty cases of Liquid Death that we had like two cool coolers full with. So we got back from um, tour and I just kind of reached out to them. And I said, hey, do you guys have like a like a like a marketing program or like an endorsement program? So we. Uh, we became official death peddlers for liquid death and they had a program because they had just worked with whole foods called cans for bands. So if people bought liquid death at whole foods, liquid death took that money and they put it into a fund for all the bands that are under their endorsement program. So we ended up getting um, some money from that program 
And we started just pushing Liquid Death sales. So we started making our own marketing campaigns for Liquid Death so we can start pushing that because we would get like a percentage of the profits for every can or case that they sold with our code. So we ended up taking that money and putting it towards recording for the full length and kind of making up our own marketing campaign. And then from there, it was just building out memes. Um, <laughs> the meme culture has really helped out our social media campaign. Um, Justin is a meme god. About it. <laughs> He's like a meme god. Like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. So it, I think it all started with, with Bayside because I think with, with the Bayside Battle of the Bands, we had to do daily um, votes. So we had to get people to come on and vote for us daily. And it, I don't want to sound like every other person, but it gets so boring when you just put vote for us, vote for us. So I would just come up with just memes. Like I had one with the guy throwing the grenade and it was just like the guy holding the grenade was out of time. The grenade was vote for us for Bayside. And then the people that he was throwing the grenade at was just your normie timeline. So I would just literally build out these memes. I think I had like two or three a day that we would post. And then we just carried it over just to keep boosting engagement from there. Um, and then I think a few months after we had got back from tour, um, our local venue here in Orlando, Soundbar, reached out to us to do a live stream concert. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just uh, went in like it was any other type of concert that we played, except there was no one there in the audience, just three GoPro cameras in the front of house guy. Mm -hmm. We uh, we were able to play our full set with our friends in um, Felicity, another band here in Orlando. And we rode that live stream out for a few months until we put out our most recent single, Husky Fight, uh, mm -hmm. which we released with a music video um, that was premiered through Ghost Killer Entertainment, um, Scene Daddy, and I think we got a few other reviews, but it was just kind of like that whole process of we got six weeks until release. Let's build this as much as we can. So we had teaser trailers. We had memes. We had, um, I think every two weeks we had like a different trailer for the music video. Uh, we reached out to different podcasts and different, um, uh, media outlets. And we're like, Hey, would you mind just doing a sneak peek of our song just so we can get some of the attention out there? And, um, it kind of paid off in the end because we really like all all things considered i don't like we, we 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 didn't do the traditional release because nothing's traditional right now um yeah. but it was cool how everything was staggered out over the period of you know two weeks from the launch of the song that we had reviews coming out we had the premieres coming out. We had, um, I think Ghost Killer even had a Facebook sponsored ad for it with the, the trailer that they were pushing out. Um, so it was cool just working with everything on the back end because I don't think we had done any of that previously. I think we were all in the mindset of put out the EP, push, 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 push. And this mm -hmm. was the first time we actually sat down and we planned it all out. And we said, this is what we're going to do. This is the content we're going to create. These are the people that we're going to work with to create that content. And I feel like this release was what a thousand times more successful than anything we had put out in the past, just because of the work that we had put into it previously. Mm. I think what's really important to note is that the music the music industry. I'm sorry, my dog's very excited. Uh, <laughs> he's a he's a Shiba Inu, and he, and he definitely is kind of a 
jerk sometimes and he just wants attention all the time. Um, so I think what the, the music industry is changing so exponentially. Um, yeah. It's becoming a, a singles market rather than a, a, a EP or full length. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really, and Justin kind of hit, hit it right in the head, like when we came back, I, I know it, buddy. Hey, bud. Uh, uh, when we came back from tour, like the thing is like, how are we going to basically how are we going to stay relevant and how are we going to go ahead and, and keep pushing out content? So Justin really mm-hmm. is like, like the, the one that, that really brainstorms everything. And we kind of like just shoot ideas back and forth saying, Hey, how are we going to stay relevant and how are we going to push content out that, you know, to our fans and potentially new listeners. So we have a, a, a strategy that we're working on in, in the next couple of quarters that kind of in hopes to push the momentum and uh, mm-hmm. besides what Justin kind of alluded to, we have uh, live streams coming up soon with like sessions. Justin's working is really cool. Uh, one thing that we really we kind of talked about earlier is like how are we going to be um, when shows come back, or let's say we want to play like a weekend show in like let's say out out of state or go on tour and like or play a Chicago gig or L.A. How are we going to play a show without having to spend so much money on like hauling gear or or bringing the band? So the thing that we kind of focused on was getting new gear and we got a uh, Helix line six Helix and it's basically all like DI and like super lightweight and easier to travel with. Uh, rather than bringing these massive, almost six twelve cabs, we have just like an eight space ACA rack and we can just check it on it on Southwest mm-hmm. under 50 pounds. And that's kind of from an equipment standpoint, as well as like setting the bar for the future. That's one thing we also looked into. Because when shows do come back, it's it's gonna be change. It's gonna change forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a different industry already. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm thinking that the way that it, things happened has kind of forced bands to do what you've been talking about. And you guys, you guys, you just said you know actually working and doing things different in the music industry actually helped you. It's it's amazing how many times like bands just like glaze over when I'm like, hey, you guys need to be creating content. You need to be having a marketing strategy. You need to be looking into like some kind of, you know, sponsorships or, mm-hmm. you know, deals, you know, collaborations with other bands or other people or companies or whatever else. And they're just like, mm, no, I'm just going to put out you know, put out my album and that's going to be about it. And uh, that's kind of the the whole podcast the reason i'm i'm kind of looking for bands looking for artists like that are willing to do even though like it is a singles market that are willing to do singles like especially maybe like at the beginning like mm-hmm. or work it forward like do half the album in singles release them in singles and then you know boom release the album you know like have work up to it you know and that's it's, like it's 100% kind of, the the plan that we have for you know this this full length that we're writing is putting out, you know, four to five songs over a period of, you know, two to four months and then compiling them all together and putting out the full length, but really building on the singles going forward. Um, because that's what's gonna get that's what's gonna get get you on the Spotify playlist. That's what's gonna get people yes. the attention because no one's gonna sit there like if no one's heard of your band, no one's going to sit there and listen to six, seven tracks back to back. They're going to listen to the first mm-hmm. two. And if it doesn't catch their attention, they're going to move on to the next. Mm-hmm. That's kind of just release the them media. one by one. You have that, you have like, say you have 10 songs on that album. You release it one by one. That's 10 times they get to see it and hear it. Mm-hmm. 10 exactly. options. Like it's, uh, I can't remember where I read it, but basically if, if you spent, 25 minutes with somebody on one day versus 
two minutes every day for 10 days, you would feel like you'd know the person better of the two minutes every you know day for 10 days as opposed to the whole 25 minutes in one day. It's just that many yep. touch points. Mm -hmm. So especially on the internet with people that have never heard you before, you need to have that many more. You know? yeah. And I think like one of the, one of the big takeaways that I took from kind of like everything too, is making sure that you, you touch every platform. So making sure that mm -hmm. you're hitting Facebook, you're hitting Instagram, you're hitting Twitter, you're like, even TikTok right now is huge right now. And if you know how to kind of break into that market and make that content, that's kind of relatable, you can kind of get into that market and start breaking into it. So I know one of the, the big things that we started that we've kind of always done, but we never really thought about it was um, for like, you have the, you know, your, your cold marketing and your hot marketing. So you have mm -hmm. your cold audience, which, you know, they're never going to look at your, they, they look at your stuff. They don't really want to leave the website or the platform that they're on. You got to kind of like bring them in to watch your stuff. So I, what I've seen a lot is bands not utilizing the Facebook platform to upload videos. They're kind of wanting everyone mm -hmm. to go to their YouTube account, but this audience isn't going to go to your YouTube account. They're going to want to watch the yeah. video on Facebook. So upload it on Facebook, upload it on Twitter, upload it on IGTV for Instagram. Make sure it's everywhere because that's how you're going to get more people to kind of get into it. Not everyone uses YouTube. Almost half the world uses Instagram and Facebook. That's how you're going to be able to reach those target audiences. Yes. On top of that, um, I know some people recently, and I'm not going to name some names, have given a lot of crap to like Facebook ads and mm. like Instagram ads. But I have full knowledge of those and understand <laughs> like and you just don't know what you're doing if you're not getting yep. Yep. getting the information. Because if you have a page and you pixel people, that means you can get right back to them. Mm -hmm. So, so, for, like, so for somebody's our, clicked it once yeah. and go ahead. I was gonna say for our single, like Justin, like we, we ran an ad for Husky Fight and then we ran a we run a continuous ad for like for fans of mm -hmm. and we have a targeted audience, like like we don't we, we have a specific uh criteria that we utilize for all of our uh, Instagram, Facebook, all of our ads that we've curtailed mm -hmm. for that that sole reason. Um and Justin and I we work on it all the time together and like that's it's helped it boosts engagement, find new followers. It's really Facebook ads and Instagram ads are like literally the bread and butter to get a new gateway into listeners and new potential audience that we can tap into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The um the we had the we had two of them out for for this past release. One of them I did from June through November, and it was just um, getting people to just like our band, just follow the the Linktree account. And it was the easiest thing in the world. And you, literally, you just you tar you just choose your target cities, you choose what they like and what their interests are. So it was just like people who like bands that we like, people who like bands we like, but also like going to concerts and just building it out completely. And I think I don't know. We were we were paying maybe seventy to eighty cents per like on just yep. using the Facebook ad. Our audience increased i think maybe six to seven hundred on facebook alone just over those three month periods with the release of the single and the marketing that we took place so we were able to you know reach this wide audience and i think even our overall engagement which i think people don't like looking into on their facebook pages but that's like my my bible 
um, you know, we were hitting, you know, three to 4,000 people per week just from engagement purposes. Mm. Yeah. There's yeah. so many, there's so many things that's happened to now Spotify is doing ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. so many things like we, um, for, for our release strategy, as Justin alluded to, our release strategy for these singles is like, how are we going to tap into new listeners and how are we going to grab people who, who follow us on Instagram or any social media platform, make sure that they are actually going to listen to the next single and share with their friends and so on and so forth. And there's so many outlets you can tap into that we've really taken advantage of, especially in this new market. The, the music industry is now completely changed. And, and I know it's so cliche to say, but it's, it's, gonna, it's now a, a streaming market of content. And we've really yes. capitalized on that. We've really capitalized on that. How are you guys, um, have you guys done any videos? Like not just like music videos, but like just funny, silly, stupid videos. Yeah. So um, I actually, I, I sat down about, um, I think like three weeks ago and I, we have all this content that we have from tour, from hanging out, from just us being us. And I wanted to kind of like highlight that. And it was like a lot of behind the scenes footage from like our music video shoots. And um, we mess around with each other way too much. Like we're joking <laughs> around with each other. Um, we like, and it's just, it's just something that we just do. And we're always like, someone's always the butt of the joke every other day in this band. Typically it's me though. Typically it's me. <laughs> So, Don't lie. It's not Illinois. It's me. I'm the joke. <laughs> so, so um, we so I, I have all this footage, and I decided to kind of take you know all the footage that we had and just compile it into like a live content music video for one of our songs, and um, I, I feel like people like that more than they actually like actual music videos i think people relate to oh, you yeah. more when you're just sitting there and you're goofing off with some music playing over it than you know this like high-end production uh you know music video that you take all this time into storyboarding and everything and i literally sat down on my computer with iMovie and i was just like oh let me just fart these things together and put it out mm-hmm. and people yes. absolutely loved it yep people i don't know why people still are bands still make those kind of music videos to be honest like how much money they put into them they're putting like five grand into these things and i'm like it looks nice you know like it's not something that i'm gonna watch and repeat it's not something that's memorable and gonna make me laugh or make me like like your band or give me more insight into your band it's gonna be like you know you guys playing in a big giant you know factory or something and then like <laughs> you know, you're following a story of a girl who broke up with somebody you know like it's it's just so cliche after a while you know yeah, I we we've we shot two music videos and um, like like storyboard wise, and it's funny because like like so the two ones for Automize and for and for Husky Fight and then Justin Justin threw together the one for Graveyard, and like mm-hmm. it was like we had great reception with the two singles, but like everyone loved the Graveyard one and like <laughs> yeah. silly yeah. and like it just showed us that we're that we're just a normal person. We're just a bunch of dorks that love playing music and we love mm-hmm. doing things to be for just the average person and like very approachable people and just enjoy each other's company and just having fun doing music. Yeah. I think our favorite thing to do to each other is we like to, to ice each other a lot. Yep. Yep. We hide Smirnoff <laughs> ices everywhere. 
Um, <laughs> and we always, we, we, we literally on, on our Instagram, our highlights, we have like a behind the scenes highlight and it's just videos of us just downing Smirnoff ices because we just iced one of our friends. <laughs> and it's not like, it's not like the regular flavors of Smirnoff ice. It is like the worst, the, the worst flavors. And they're warm. Like green they apple. Made it, to be honest, I haven't seen it. In a oh while. yeah. So <laughs> we, true, I, I iced four members in one one in one day it was bad no it was literally we, we were rehearsing for the the bayside show i think it was yeah. and i remember i hide i hid excuse me i hid uh of smirnoff ice in the bass like the, like behind the bass drum in like the guitar and bass uh cases and then i hid one for like next behind like the mics where you have like all the mics for the mic bag and i iced mm. everyone in one sitting and I remember Jeez. the next day they got a bomber of Smirnoff Ice and the ice to that. And I swear, I think I got diabetes. I swear to God, like I, I, it was definitely the worst experience of my life. I burped so much, and like I remember having the biggest stomach ache. I was like, oh, why did I do this? I think um, the carbonation is painful. The carbonation, the sugar. I like. I was like, this, like this is so carbonated. It's so sweet. I want to die right now. <laughs> it's so burns. <laughs> well, and I got him. It was funny too because I got him after the Bayside show. So we were driving back um, from the the venue, and he was he was just passed out in the seat next to me. And I literally just took one out from like the, my glove compartment, and I just put it in his arms like a little baby. And he just wakes up, and he just goes, "Oh shit!" And he just pops it open and just downs it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, we were very celebratory after the Bayside show. So I was very not sober. Not sober. I just remember, oh shit, here we go. I think but, we loaded uh, the trailer in like 15 minutes just so we can get back and just start celebrating. Yeah, nice. God, yeah, we 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 we're we're definitely practical jokesters, but we we all are very we're all good friends, and we love like from like a content perspective, but also just as a friendship perspective, we just love each other's company and just really love like messing with each other, but being, being each other. We're also massive, massive, massive nerds, like massive star Wars fans, um, like, like superhero, like you, you name it. Like 99% of our group chat is like talking about mm -hmm. star Wars mm -hmm. and like, like when like the Mandalorian got announced to like mm -hmm. galaxy's edge, like what's better blue milk or green milk? You know, my answer is definitely going to be blue milk because that will taste like suntan lotion. But, it both taste like uh, suntan lotion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I, we just we just love having fun. Mm. And that's like something that I think that people need to see instead of you know super well put together fancy music videos or whatever. Like just down to earth stupid fun crap mm -hmm. is what people kind of need to see and understand and hear from bands nowadays. So, uh, I don't know where else to go from here, but like <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for bands and, uh, I kind of want to ease my way into like signing a band this, this upcoming year, I guess maybe start mm -hmm. it in January, I suppose probably be the best. And I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts at all. Yep. We have. Yep. So like I know there's one specifically where I say like how much or whatever I'm willing to like kind of put into it and what and what uh, you know what's going on. Uh, the only thing like with you guys is like you guys are a little bit further from each other, right? Mm -hmm. How far away from yep. you are you two? Well, so, so he's in Virginia, and then we're all mm -hmm. the rest of us are in Florida. 
Well, I, I okay. come down twice. I, I literally fly down twice a month. Uh, yeah. Like I, w- typically, what we do is we will come a minimum meet once a month to run the set. And for content purposes, I'll come down for a long weekend. We'll do content. Mm-hmm. We'll do um, so like we're like, hey, let's write for a day. We'll record maybe some demos. And what's cool about living far apart in a way is that we can all demo apart from each other. And then take the demos when we meet in person and do, do rehearsals and we actually like mesh really well together. Um, so distance is not, and that, that's kind of like our new, our full length album is kind of, is a testament to that. Uh, the full length title of it is a testament to us being from States away. Uh, Cause we really just kind of like don't let boundaries be the forbearance of the future of the success of this band. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence mm-hmm. why it's called no boundaries. So. Very cool. I'm excited to hear some of it. Um, were you guys? I, I can't remember if you guys were on uh, the Pop Punk and Pizza podcast. Were you on that? I think we were on. I think Jacques put us on the top ten songs to listen to in October. But I think That's we were trying what to. It was yeah, we were trying so, to plan out the um, the just timing for for trying to to, to you just get a, like a talk on the podcast with him. Mm-hmm. But I think That's cool. We, we were on the um, definitely Bar Down Breakdown um, podcast. We're big hockey fans, um, so Bar Down Breakdown is uh, is run by you know two of our really good friends. They're both um, Islander fans, or from Long Island event, uh, originally, and they created this podcast kind of around the music that they like to listen to, which is you know punk, hardcore, um, metalcore, and mm-hmm. they bring in all these different artists that also really like hockey and they kind of just have a discussion about music and hockey and what you know brought them into kind of both of these scenes so um he has a lot of really good interviews and we were lucky enough to be on um two of their podcasts and then i was lucky enough when tampa bay lightning and the islanders were playing we did a uh, a um live stream commentary of the the game which is really fun yeah, we we've also been on um, I'm Not Okay podcasts. Uh, we've been also on Child Child is it Child Like a Best? Child Like a Best. Uh, so we've been on actually a few podcasts that I had the pleasure to kind of talk about like just reminisce about the good old days and uh, talk about out of time. And um, we've been very fortunate. This release has kind of been a, a massive trajectory of listeners to opportunities. We got we went from like. A thousand monthly listeners to like ten thousand. Mm-hmm. We just broke ten thousand today. Yeah, like it's crazy. Like from the hard work, like running ads to like spamming the these groups to like just like tapping into new resources that we never really thought of. Um, Husky Fight was a big door that we've opened to success as fan, mm-hmm. and I'm super excited because we have a lot in the works that uh, really can't talk about right now, but we have a lot coming in the coming weeks. That I'm really excited about, and, and we're all super excited about. One of us got banned from one from posting on Facebook groups for like two weeks too, because we were just nice. consistently <laughs> just hitting those groups like every other yeah. day. Um, mm-hmm. But I I've mean, done that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else yeah, going well. on, so listen to music. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, hey, now I have a. <laughs> I have a Facebook account called uh, Marlo James or yes. something. You know? yeah. <laughs> James Jarlo. James Jarlo. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That works it's much Rustin, better. Rustin Joe Bartz. Yep. 
<laughs> Who also job, happens Robert to like this band? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very cool. So, I mean, do you guys have any questions for me? <laughs> um, That's so, the first one I've done with a band, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, so so with with like the with the the podcast of starting like the record label um would have been some like i know that you've spoken to um you know the the former head that that ran the label that signed green day um and a few other um really you know prominent names in the the record business what were, what were some of the biggest takeaways that you learned from those oh gosh i mean Larry's great, and his book, uh, I, I talk about it in freaking times, but that book kind of solidified in me kind of like the want to have like a community as kind of a record label, mm-hmm. uh, not only with the bands, but with the fans, like everybody together. And uh, just seeing kind of how the East Bay kind of worked for at least a short period of time, mm-hmm. having that together. And I've heard stories about Tooth and Nail being the same way. Uh, just, you know, instead of instead of it being some weird you know, machine that's just named something else, you know, and, yeah. and that makes money. Like I really kind of wanted it to kind of come together as more of a community, uh, whether it be even like a YouTube community or, or something else to where you could put out a lot of, put out a lot of music. My hope was to one day have kind of like a, uh, a big building where everybody just kind of comes into work and you know, okay, we make, we make music here. We make, you know, we make uh, videos here. We do all this kind of stuff here is like an, an almost like an entertainment community because the, the mu- music industry is just completely changed. And I really, I feel really feel like the content is really the way in the future. And then once bands kind of get on that, it's really where it's going to be going. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers the question, but <laughs> no, it does. And because I was going to say, like one of like so growing up, one of the the biggest you know record labels that you know I really looked up to, and a lot of the bands that kind of influenced out of time came from this record label, and it was Drive Through Records. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, similar, similar kind of atmosphere. Like, you know, every year they would put out, you know, a compilation of drive through record bands and you would always be excited to get it because you'd want to like, oh, what's going to be on here? You know, mm-hmm. we have Newfound Glory, we have Alistair, we have Finch, we have all these different bands that are on this. Starting and I line. think that like, huh? The starting oh, line. Starting, line. starting yeah. line, Senses Fail, um, Homegrown, Midtown. You had all these bands that were just on this label and, you know, you would see just the pictures and like the b-sides and like you'd get like the dvds back in the day of like just the bands just being bands and i think Mm -hmm. that was something that really kind of like resonated with you know me especially you know james and i came from south florida like newfound glory was a was a backyard name for us you know we would go to see like their secret shows every so often that they would just like put it on twitter like we're gonna play a secret show at this venue get there now Mm -hmm. um Yep. So that camaraderie is really kind of like what we grew up on. And it's something that I feel like is missing from, you know, the music scene or just, just scenes in general. No one wants to, you know, have that camaraderie. It's all, I'm better than you. I'm going to get ahead of you. I'm going to get signed first. And it's more like we need to support our scenes and we need to see what we can do to, you know, come together instead of push apart. Yeah. hundred percent, dude. That. Even, I mean, I felt like some of that stuff was going on in like the late 90s as well, like mm-hmm. kind of when I came up. But uh, for a large part of it, if you came to a show, you're coming together with like a family kind of. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, uh, those bands, I love them. I listen to them, but I feel like they were towards the kind of like the end of my like 
child childhood because <laughs> it was like in college when they came out you know yeah so uh and there was like a, a pretty decent time to where i i came out here in 2008 i think mm-hmm. and i uh, was working at conway and met jerry finn and oh man rest in peace and oh yeah exactly and the best producers ever mm-hmm. just you know learned a lot of stuff being here and uh got to the got to the end of it and was like you know what I really don't like where I'm at. I don't like where the industry's at. And I kind of want, I want to kind of bring it back to where it was. And I think people are a little bit stuck in the, you know, we just need to make music and, and get fans and, you know, I don't know, maybe make, maybe they're interested in Patreon or some, something, but um, <laughs> they need, you know, they obviously need to, you know, get into sponsorships, get into other things to where yep. they can actually survive as a band because it's ridiculous. You can't survive. Nope. Uh, so I, I got a question for you. So, uh, so I know we're we're moving towards the market of for the music industry of it's content driven and you have to truthfully kind of the bluff is you got to stay relevant you know it's uh it's not necessarily you got to you not necessarily you gotta, like Justin said you you know like it's not a competing contest of like hey I got to be better than this band or I got to have more followers listeners in this band it's more so tapping into a, list, a, a audience that you, has never heard your music and for them to kind of share that and work off of that. So I guess my question is, based off of that, A, what, what are you looking for in a band specifically, as well as B, what will you provide for that band you're looking for that sets them apart from being a DIY band? Oh, that's a good one. Um, it's kind of hard because I, I think I like wrote all, I think I put that all down in like part of one of the podcasts at one point in time, but it's kind of hard to like think about like everything that I'm like willing, like wanting to do because mm-hmm. there's, it's just, it's so much stuff to where I'm like, Am I going to be able to do all of that? You know, because <laughs> it's just so much stuff. But uh, obviously on top of it, like I've been a you know, producer, engineer, mixer forever. So, I mean, that stuff's going to come free for whatever. Um, but uh, and then putting out albums, putting out whatever else, that's that's another part of it. I really want everything to be content driven. And so, like, I want to get behind as much music video, music or some, as much video as possible. So, mm-hmm. like, as much fun, whatever else I think as possible, I'm just be putting out a ton of content. So, like, what I'm looking for is like a, a band that's willing and able to keep up with that. And, you know, put out four videos a month at least to put out, you know, to be putting out maybe a new song, fully mixed, mastered everything else once a month. So uh, that's kind of like the bare bones. It's like I want to at least have the content be coming out every week. I want the music to be coming out every month at least and package it and have the digital media or the digital uh, marketing be pretty much spot on. So like that's kind of like what I'm I'm looking for. uh, I keep keep thinking like uh, what I want to do and like, no, I want what I want bands to be able to be able to do is to be able to, to kind of keep up with that mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> and i think like w- like one of the big one of the big things that you know i've been focusing on um and it's kind of like outside of the realm of out of time but it still focuses on out of time is like the, the guinea pig for all this is you know with toast and jam sessions recently closing um out in atlanta and we have audio tree up in chicago and there's a few other of these style like live stream session um venues that are open i'm really trying to kind of build something similar to that in our market for central Mm -hmm. florida so i'm working with um one of our friends 
uh, Cooper, who has a studio called Magnolia Studios out in um, kind of Central Florida, like Cocoa area. Um, full like full studio setup, full live room, and we're we're going to be able to kind of capture bands doing these session videos, and we're looking to put them out, you know every Friday having a different video out of a different song so we can kind of help these bands put out this content in the interim while, mm. you know, they're working on a new EP or they're working on a next single. They'll be able to kind of ride these live session videos out for, you know, one to two months and they'll continue to have that content being pushed. So that's something that, you know, here in this scene that I'm really trying to do. Um, and I'm trying to focus on the Central Florida scene first, but I mean, I've once I, I put the idea out there on my Facebook, and I have bands from, you know, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee wanting to come Maryland. down and do this. Maryland too, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 just with with all the experts saying that life isn't going to get back to normal until maybe the end of twenty twenty one. It's just this. You got to get into this mindset of what do we got to do in the interim, man. And it's, 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 it's hard, but you're going to see, you're going to see some bands, you know, not being able to kind of make the cut. And then you're going to, you know, see, you know, who's going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, pushing out and like being the people that want to, you know, make something out of this and want their music to be heard. Um, But I think we've already seen, at least here in Orlando, six or seven bands um, just throw the towel in. Mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, I'm, but it's going to be a time where they're just going to be dropping off. And then it's just going to give more power to the bands that are actually have, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. staying power to get, to get through everything. I like the idea of the, the live show thing. I noticed a ton of bands doing it. Um, I know that MXPX even did one probably mm-hmm. a week or two ago. And uh, I like that idea. I think similarly to playing, more than once every three months in your area, I think that that could be kind of dangerous because people are like, oh, there's another live stream or thing of just, just them playing live. And that's what I kind of, when you talked about earlier, like, oh, we made this funny, you know, just put together video of like all the silly crap that we did. And then we put like, that works a million times better because they're yep. more interested in seeing oh, something yeah. like that. And uh, doing collabs with the bands that are interested, that are yep. doing similar stuff, is definitely going to help out too. Just like you know, mm-hmm. do collabs with the podcast or whatever. You know, I always get a bump <laughs> afterwards because you know, people like yeah, that so- and they'll come and listen to mine. Yep. Oh yeah. I, I, so one thing you, you alluded to actually, and um, and we haven't really talked about, kind of touched on, was that uh, not just from like a musician standpoint, like content for content or like live streams, but one of the things that we kind of started tapping into outside of music is like. Uh, the communities that we share mutual interest with. So mm-hmm. uh, our our basis, uh, Nick, he's heavily connected in the Star Wars, you know, fan fandom. Let's call it yes. that. Uh, so he actually was on a podcast. Was it last week, Justin? Yeah, he was doing a, a live commentary of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, nice. And I, I think that that's <laughs> that's something that would be really cool for bands to do too. Like, like don't stick to music. music. Like, do things that mm-hmm. are outside. Like shared interests whether it be go to a skate park and skate you know be socially distant wear a mask and like be safe about it um but like do things that you, you can like take video of or like live stream that people mm-hmm. have a mutual interest with and it's not to be just music hell if you want to go to like um i don't know like 
like a, a gym and like work out and like say, Hey guys, it's, it's like as silly as that, but finding a mutual interest and like sharing it with your fans as, or potential fans is another way to kind of tap into that content. And it doesn't have to be music related. It can be anything mm -hmm. from just a, a shared interest, except for if yeah, you're a absolutely. Trekkie. If you're a Trekkie, then we can't talk. <laughs> oh man. Well, you can't like both. Oh. I do got to uh, do it. I actually only like next generation. I don't know what the other one is. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I do got to do, um, just do a quick shout out to the, the podcast that Nick was on. Um, it's called the star Wars underworld just because, um, Nick being on that podcast, he, he did a quick plug for the new single and then they went right back into, you know, return of the Jedi. But just from, you know, doing that quick plug, uh, we were able to even to reach out to another YouTuber that listened to it called Star Raptor, who's up yeah. in the Philadelphia area. He's a YouTuber in, you know, that that kind of like geek realm. Um, and he immediately just like reached out to us on Twitter. He was like, I absolutely love the song. I looked into you guys. This was really awesome. So it's just, you know kind of getting in getting outside of the music realm pitching it once in a while but getting into you know our first loves of our lives star wars comic books and video mm -hmm. games kind of kind of bridges that gap and it kind of makes everyone more relatable yeah yeah i think it really does i mean the, it oh, yeah. gives a give the fan like a, a view into your lives and the things mm -hmm. that you like and the way person that you are um, I, and that's what we're missing. I mean, I used to love picking up magazines and like, you know, they're getting an interview with someone like, uh, I think I talked about it on the, the last one with, with Larry to where, uh, I didn't know who Al Sobrante was or who, what I think his real name was like John something, something or other from green day. And he yeah. was the first drummer. And I was like, I don't know where to find this information at when I was growing up. And then a couple of years later, I found a magazine where there was an interview with him. And I was like, what? And I just soaked into like, you know, just that information. And nowadays we have like that information like that. So on you the know, internet. If you want to see more into your lives and to know what's going on, what other things that you like, you know, I'm exactly. I love freaking comic books. I used to have a podcast <laughs> called Yellow Spandex. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just, Justin, we've always joked around Justin and I doing a, uh, like a Twitch, like a like video game streaming, but the problem is that yeah. we definitely we really like censor it because like so one of the games we love playing is uh, mm -hmm. Dead by Daylight, and I don't know if you yeah. ever played it. Have you played it before? I've not played it. It's one of those horror games. Yeah. yeah so basically, the synopsis is your four survivors trying to outrun like a killer. So like like oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Leatherface, to like this really creepy ass like Japanese character that it whispers <laughs> Japanese when it's around the corner, and like. <laughs> We play with like different bands all the time, mm -hmm. and and like the profanity, we make up curse words that are not even like <laughs> words. So like if we did a live stream of that, we would have to like have a disclaimer. But that's definitely like one mm -hmm. of the things that we like talked about. Like, hey, what if we did like a live stream like a Twitch, like of, like us playing video games? We're massive Star Wars. Yeah, we play battle. We play battle. We play Battlefront two way too much. Way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, um, like that's something that you could sponsor too. Like they, mm -hmm. and then you stop halfway through, or you save it once in a while, or it throws up at the bottom of the screen because you could have those panels or whatever on yep. your your yep. streams. You're like, hey, this this today is sponsored by whatever. And uh, I don't know how much you know about uh, like certain YouTubers or whatever, but I'm a huge fan of like Linus Tech Tips, and he has like ten channels. And like they just keep kind of moving and seeing like new things they can move into and taking like, okay, maybe this part of the tech industry we can put on this kind of a channel. So we so the main channel doesn't have to necessarily do all the hard work, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit similar to where like 
okay, well, on the main channel, maybe we'll just release music or whatever. And then maybe on the side channels, if they get super popular enough, we'll start doing Twitch stuff. We'll start doing this kind of stuff. And all of them are sponsored. There's all sponsors before everything. And I kind of think that that's kind of going. Plus, there's also, say, if you you guys run into a game you really like uh, or a game uh, maker calls you up and say, hey, we got this new horror game. How about you and your bands play it and, you know, we'll, we'll sponsor it or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys can do that. I mean, people love watching like new stuff like that. It's just there's just so many different ways for people to be able to make money. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I so on that note, so we touched kind of touched upon like uh, the nor- the new norm of, of COVID mm-hmm. and like the next couple of guys. I, I, I truthfully like being in my in my career position uh, in, in my career as well as as a musician, I, I agree with Justin. I think that we're not going to see normalcy until the end of 2021. Um, I don't think with clinical trials and everything going on with, with COVID-19, it's like, it, it's, it's definitely a, a very interesting, uh, uh, not just political environment, but also it's, it's a lot of unknowns, but that yeah. being, I digress. But that being said, uh, once things get, get back to normal, besides content, what can you provide bands besides content based? Like, um, I do think that with lots of, I do think a lot of venues are going to close within the coming months. So I don't know how touring is going to be, but besides once things are back kind of back to normal, besides content, what will you provide the bands that will kind of help uh, put the name out there? Well, I mean, what what do you think should be done? Like I'm I'm kind of a little <laughs> lost besides besides touring and whatnot, you know, and putting putting money behind certain things. Right. Like, what do you guys think a label should be doing at that point? I mean, so I'm I'm open <laughs> to anything. So. When touring gets back to normal, one of the things I am a, a massive advocate for is not the grunt touring. So not doing the 30 yes. days, the 60 days. I think that's completely asinine. We got to gotta get away from that mindset because, A, it can bring up bands and fast yeah. for your mental mm-hmm. health. Look at Real Friends. Like, like that, that was, yeah. I think, honestly, the reason why Real Friends broke up, well, not broke up, but you know, Dan uh, left. Dan left. Um, I think the whole mindset of leg tours or like doing like weekenders to like a couple mm-hmm. of weeks at a time, it taps into markets, doesn't have the bands be uh, kind of just, just drained by the end of it. Um, so finding mm-hmm. uh, outlets and opportunities and doing it in a way so you can tap into markets that um, a band has a, a following in. So one of the things that, mm. that Justin and I really have been pushing for is when touring gets back to normal, it's finding bands that have a similar mutual interest in whether it be a genre or just in general, and like create a tour package that would be mutually beneficial. So we have a, we have a very strong following in, in Florida to to the DMV area. So all right, so we mm. have that area covered. What other bands can we can we add along the way? We could tap into their fan market mm. and kind of like kind of plotting that out is definitely a, a thing that we that we beneficial. So when touring gets back to normal, not doing like a 30 day tour, but doing a week or two and then kind of like rinse rinse and repeat. I think that's definitely from when shows get back to normal, that's definitely the mindset I think that we're we're going towards as a band out of time. I completely agree with that. In fact, like I've never really been a fan of that because whenever you go see a band, you know, they're all tired, they're angry, upset Mm -hmm. or or they got something going on in their lives. (laughs) I just that that kind of touring was like a mindset, though, that you tour to uh, support the album. Yeah, yep. and so I don't think that that's how things are these days. There's probably going to be a billion uh, venues closed anyway when it kind of comes out. And you're going to be fighting to yeah. get into the ones that are going to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, tours should be definitely strategic, and those are a lot of things that you can handle with uh, with 
basically marketing as well. So you're like, oh, how, where do we know where we go? Where do we, you know, have a lot of people? You could do maybe three nights in one place, to be honest, as opposed yeah. to like bang, 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 all the way around the freaking country in like little tiny podunk uh, places. I mean, I saw, I went to school with the guys from Augustana and uh, oh. I saw them and like when they were on their first like grunt tour, like they were in this just crappy bar that I saw in the middle of the night. No one came to see them. No yeah. one was there for that. You know, and I don't think they sold any albums when they were there and they were on the radio like two weeks later. So it was just it was kind of odd. Was this in the, in the Boston days? <laughs> yes. It's like right when that came out. Uh, it's, it's funny. I actually moved from DC. So I moved. From, I was in South Florida. I moved to Boston. And mm-hmm. like that song got me through like my first <laughs> my first big breakup. Like that song is like crying. Like, like oh. <laughs> <laughs> that breakup. And like that song got me through like a really bad breakup. And then I I like got through it. And but um yeah it's I, I agree. I actually think that when when shows come back to normal, we're gonna have a massive uptick in house shows, which would be really freaking cool. Yep. Yeah. I I think that so it's funny because like when we played Richmond. Um, so like DC was like literally. I, I remember we were getting paid out for the DC sh- show, for, like our first show, like first day of the tour. And I remember the owner of mm-hmm. of the of the venue goes, "I'm not gonna lie, I'm fucking impressed that you guys sold this out. Like literally, like during co- like beginning of this pandemic, like we mm-hmm. literally had people buy tickets. That didn't, didn't show go. Up. It didn't go, but we still sold out. And there's like, I like, they're like blown away. But that was like, that was such a cool experience. But the coolest experience, we we played the next day at House of Richmond, and it was a room like packed, sweaty. Uh, I jumped. Uh, one of our buddies was like touring with us, like taking taking photos and also like helping us with like tech stuff. And I got on his shoulders and I played guitar on his shoulders in a crowded room, <laughs> and it was the, so much fun. The ceilings so were like maybe like eight feet high and there was a ceiling fan right in the <laughs> middle of where we were playing. So you see like, he's like constantly ducking, playing guitar, trying not to get hit by a ceiling fan. <laughs> get hit in the face. Gotcha. But I oh. mean, <laughs> it was, it was a yellow house in Richmond. I live for stuff like that, man. Like yeah. just like the, the smaller okay, venues. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. it's, on, it's on Instagram. <laughs> the, just the smaller venues. Just, it, it makes, it just makes doing that so much more fun. Like, like some people knew our songs, like they, they knew some of the singles that we had put out, but we did a, we did a cover of sweetness by Jimmy world and the entire room just like lit up. Corrupted. It was nuts. <laughs> I'm not cool. going to lie. I'd chip my tooth because somebody smacked the mic in my face and it was, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's all right though. It's, I, I, it's good now, but yeah, that was definitely an eye opening experience. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's really, that's definitely a, a cool thing. Like Justin said, like, the, the 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 thing that I get more excited for we we open for Bayside and, I, and we've been like this lineup for for a little over, almost two years now and I think the the most that gets me going and excited is playing a house show with like a hundred people in a, or fifty to hundred people in a room oh yeah who know our our lyrics and like are trying like violently like sing the lyrics and you have to like you know what I'm not gonna sing this part or you know what <laughs> This, you, got you. This. <laughs> got this. Um, Have you ever been to a dashboard show? Actually, yeah. Can't even that, hear that, Chris. How do you say that? Because when we were playing DC, uh, dashboard was playing the Friday and Saturday. So Friday night when we were playing DC, dashboard played, and then the next night mm. they played uh, Saturday at nine thirty club. And I wanted to go, 
And I'm like, hey, Justin. And then they're like, no, we're not moving the show. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really? I was a huge fan of Scrabble. I remember the uh, the last show I went to where it was like that, where everyone in the crowd was singing, was the uh, Mayday Parade 10-year anniversary of A Lesson in Romantics. Mm-hmm. They literally played the album from front to back, and the minute that they just started playing uh, Jamie Elsewhere, mm-hmm. the, Derek didn't even have to like pick up the mic and sing. Everyone was just singing. He, he could have just put the mic on the floor, and it could have just been emo night with live musicians. And pretty much, and it would they they would have still sold out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think people come to come to those more just for the community, even though it's like, or they're probably there to see the band too, where they see like a you know an album they haven't seen. I really kind of was hoping to like to see the Everglow when May would kind of was doing that, but I didn't get to. Yep. Uh, you know, just you know, you you come together, people that love that album, you come and sing and have a good time. I mean, it's I don't know. One of those it's things the community aspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny before COVID, I went to my first emo night in DC and uh, mm. I, I was like, I was like, man, what's the point of this? Like, it's like a, D, a DJ hitting play. a Spotify playlist. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. It was definitely one of those most interesting and fun experiences in my life because everyone has a mutual shared interest of reliving like the, the glory days of like your, your teenage years so mm. I'm not gonna lie, my adult years, um, and like it's, it's just like everyone knows every word. People are crowd surfing to get on stage, including myself, mm. uh, and people are just like <laughs> like enjoying themselves, like enjoying themselves, and, and like there's no animosity, there's nothing bad. Everyone's having a good time, and mm. I'm not gonna lie, the emo night community is, is actually really powerful. In the sense that it does bolster a sense of community and environment that's inclusive. And I think it's it's really awesome. And like for our, going back to the whole label qu- like question, like I think that's the thing that I want we 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 want a label is is something that will basically in general for pop punk music just like inclusion have um, op- provide opportunity and growth, uh, not just mm-hmm. as a band but as individuals, and really just uh, tap into un- un- unknown listeners and get our music mm-hmm. out there. And that's the thing that really sets bands apart because like. They tap into like the Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and yeah. other like like Spotify playlists. That's been huge for us. Like yeah. we literally like we are like Justin. Justin will text me like, "Hey, did you add us to the Spotify playlist yet? Get your ass on it. Go, go, go!" <laughs> like, I'm like, "Oh my God, it's on!" But we, do you guys do the that. playlist pushes and stuff like that? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, we Justin's do. Like, um, so like every time a uh, so I'm I'm really big on like. Soundplate is one of the big ones that I kind of go on to. Um, and you can just message curators just directly and send them the mm-hmm. link to your song and they'll they'll throw it on. Um, I've been using that one. Daily Playlist has been really good. Um, they're all just, you know, these free sites that curators are on and they're just looking for music and they, they actually kind of specify it to genre too. Um, <laughs> But I think even with like daily playlists, you can submit up to 25 playlists per week. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all pretty much, I think, like um, pop punk influences is one of the ones that are on. Yep. Oh. Yep. You there, Justin? <laughs> he froze up. Oh, well. Yeah. He'll come back <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But the, the one thing that really is. Um, Actually, the thing that we really tapped into, um, not just playlists per se, but mm. uh, face- Facebook groups, like from yeah. like 
So like the pop punk, like pop punk friends, you know, pop punk union, uh, yep. pop punk adults. Those to us, like that has that has been a, a market that we've really tapped into, and we really kind of just like capitalize on like, hey, like. The one, the, I, I, do you follow these groups at all? Right? Like, oh, I'm in like all of them. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> my, my favorite thing in the world is definitely if you're like, what, what do I listen to? Like, mm-hmm. hey, what do I listen to? And like, oh, yeah. Like, what do I look like I listen to or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Every, every time, like every time someone posts like, what do I listen to? I'm like, you look like you listen out of time. And like, and, <laughs> and, and you'd be surprised. We literally get so many, like, like we get comments like saying, oh, my God, like, I didn't know who you guys were or like, hey. I actually mm. saw you guys on a podcast or or get featured in this article. Uh, I've been dying to check you guys out. So there's actually a uh, a podcast called Second Second Player Score mm-hmm. out of Seattle, and they saw us post all this stuff. And the one of the hosts is a DJ at a, at a Seattle radio station, and he played us in the radio and everything because he heard he saw us on a on a, a podcast. So uh, and then he also saw us in a, in a, in a group. And those Facebook groups are so important to bands because. Yeah. It's a way to network. It's a way to like tap into new listeners. The and engagement on them is way better than like your your regular page or anything dude, else. It, unreal, unreal. And when you when you tag your band in it, that mm. helps your boost your engagement on your Facebook posts. So that there's so many things that we do. And like I I'm not gonna lie. Like I'll be like 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 I'll be like at work or like on the weekends. Like I see someone post and I'm like, oh, time time to spam my band again. And I'm exactly, like, oh, right? it, it looks like it was an out of time. And that's been something massive we've been doing is that like, how do we tap into like, there's like, I'm 29 and like, I just like, I, it blows up. It's still like, I'm like kind of shook that there's people born 2000 and like people are like posting these groups that are like, yeah, like way younger than me. I'm like, man, I remember when I was like the young, youngling and, mm. um, and I'm like, how do I like relate to them? Like, how do I like, like say, Hey, check out my band. And we we have what's cool about our sound is that we kind of bring in like the glory days of like the drive through records era. But we also tap into to the modern day influences of pop punk, and we kind of try to capitalize on that in like the pop punk groups because a lot of pop you'd be surprised, man. Like I remember somebody in a group said, "Whose senses fail?" and I wanted to kill myself. I'm like, <laughs> "What do you mean, whose senses fail? <laughs> what do you mean, who's taking back Sunday?" Or I'm like. What do you, or like who's Fugazi? Like talking like like the influential punk bands. Yeah, um, I get those it, a lot. Like the influence, like influential oh. punk bands or whatever. Yeah, like people people it, will be like, "What? Like Bad Brains?" Oh, yeah, yeah Bad yeah, Brains. <laughs> but I don't we're know. Talking, <laughs> we're talking about uh, how like the main thing we've been we've been doing uh, that's <laughs> been really capitalizing on is in these pop punk groups where people post like what do i listen to like, oh. you, you listen out of time you fun. listen to us <laughs> you listen to us <laughs> <And> <laughs> no, no kidding nine times out of ten they'll respond and go wow i didn't know and like we've gotten so many monthly listeners because of that mm-hmm. and you like it, it's it, it's unreal and like we've gotten like people messaging us saying hey we saw you on this like and <laughs> it's like what do i listen to Posts? Could we add mm-hmm. you a play, to a playlist, or can we beat? Can you have us on a podcast? And that's been massive for us. The pop punk groups on Facebook are like, honestly, very great for networking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, when you when you were gone, it's like the engagement on them are just, it's just way way better than anything that you could do. Well, I think what what did I do? Like it was like a few weeks ago. I I put the the from the movie Mask the the kid 
like the main character of Mask, he had like this like big deformed head, and it was all about you know this illness <laughs> that he had. And it was like it's a really great movie if you haven't seen it. Cher is a terrible actress. I don't know why they got Cher in it, but it's a really like heartfelt movie. So I, there's like this picture of him, and I put it on there, and I go, I go, what music do you think I listen to? And everybody put Cher, and I was just like, I was just sitting there replying with Cher gifts. Like just like making sure that like the content was there, and then once like the post hit a certain amount, I go check out my band. Ah. <laughs> now that I have, so you said, now that I have your attention, check out exactly. my band. <laughs> and right. Well, well played, well played. People listen. People did it. People did it. Uh, it's 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 crazy. Like that um, that that like market of listeners. It's there's. Those pop punk groups, it's, um, it's, it's honestly the sense of community, and it's, mm-hmm. it's refreshing. It's really refreshing to see like the future of, of musicians. And I, as much as it, it like pains me, because like ninety nine percent of the time, and I'm a, I'm a massive Blink One Eight Two fan. The the one thing that I can't say about those groups is like ninety nine percent of the time, the topic is Machine Gun Kelly or Blink One Eight Two. So, <sighs> I mean, it is, uh, it's kind of like a a weird subject where some people that are, that might have like a jerky attitude, they have like this kernel of truth in what they're talking about, but they're just assholes about it. So I'm yeah. like, I don't, uh, they're like the gatekeepers. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I think gatekeeping like, is like the biggest thing that's holding this genre back. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, like I consider like I can, I'm 32 and I've been into pop punk music since, you know, Nothing Gold Can Stay by Newfound Glory came out. Mm-hmm. So 1998, 1999. Um, and I feel like the old guard and even in essence, like the new wave of pop punk that came out in like the 2010s with like the Wonder Years and uh, Fireworks and Man Overboard. I feel like those populations are so stuck in their ways and they want to hear you know whatever they whatever got them into it they're keeping everyone back and like they're putting such a distaste in everyone's mouth that wants to wants to listen to the newer stuff and like machine gun kelly all props to him you know i'll say it a million times if anybody had the money to produce with travis barker and the the producer that wrote most of the all-time low songs anybody can come out with a great pop punk record but you know props to him for for getting a new group of people interested in the genre and getting a new group of people interested in actually playing instruments and not pushing a button on a laptop yeah i i definitely have that feeling and i i at the same time like there's just a little bit of me it's like it feels a little bit disingenuous Mm-hmm. Like that he kind of jumped from one thing to another after he kind of, you know, had his not going so well rap <laughs> career there with the uh, so like that that aspect, but it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you can't do it. And there's tons of people that yeah. are gonna love it. I mean people love they argued about that crap with five seconds of summer, they you know, all the kinds of stuff like that. And so there's always gonna be jerks like that. So I mean, music and bands are gonna they're gonna live and die on their own. So it yep. doesn't really matter what these other people care about. <laughs> yeah. It's but, uh, yeah. I, I do I do think Machine Gun Kelly is going to do a lot for the genre. Yep. Um, and um, I, I agree with Justin. That I think that 
with it shows that if you can be in the room with uh, some very very talented producers and one of the best drummers in in the history of pop punk, uh, what you can mm-hmm. what you can, can come out with, and um, it's a testament to the future. I think that the main thing, like I'm not saying that Michigan Kelly is the best artist in pop punk, but I will tell you that it's going to be the the catalyst of the future of pop punk in a sense of mm. the he he's a mainstream artist and when people listen to that album think it's my downfall and they go what is this what is pop mm. punk they didn't know what pop punk was that's going to be the the future of people picking up a guitar and going oh who's blink 180 big 182 who's that yep oh and they're gonna learn that and that's the that's what gets me excited not the machine gun kelly part we get to be excited yeah. that people are gonna are gonna learn what pop punk is, and that we're gonna have a new a new generation of pop punk artists and people who are passionate about that. That gets me excited. Well, even like artists like Youngblood, um, who's out right now, like Youngblood is kind of bringing back that you know post emo scene, and it's it's mm-hmm. funny that on on the MGK record, like they have him with Burt McCracken as a guest uh, vocal and Youngblood and Burt McCracken literally sound the same. Yeah. And you can, <laughs> Can't you can, difference. You, you can hear a little bit of youth in Youngblood's voice, but like <laughs> if, if you would, if, if you would put him in a, in a used cover band, like the used cover band, I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> I'm writing this down so I can listen to it after we're done. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's young, even, young boy. Oh, young, and even like Black Bear too. Like Black Bear, you know, he's he's kind of broken in on the scene. Um, you know, he he did a few songs with Issues. Um, he did the the most recent song with All Time Low, which is really good. And he's on the um, my best friend's ex or my ex's best friends from mm-hmm. Machine Gun Kelly, and that that track is like stuck in my head on a daily basis. Uh, collabs work man it, yep. it does yeah and so i mean this that's probably going to help the, the genre a little bit it definitely has it definitely needs a shot in the arm after mm-hmm. it, after the real friends thing and and whatnot and all the sexual couple, allegations oh gosh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man real friends that, that band to me is like oh they're so good and it's, it's kind of weird. It kind of harkens a little bit to like the Up Ivy thing, to where like they toured every day across the freaking country on their own, and they came mm-hmm. back and like, hey, here's <laughs> like <Yeah>. what? <laughs> so uh, I think I think with the whole pop punk scene too, it, it's and and an, it's an awkward thing to talk about, but like the whole um, sexual assault and all that stuff. There's a lot of bands out there that, that they're doing some terrible things, using their power, using their power, and that's so sad. Like it's just like. There's so many like uh, never kept, and there's like so many bands out there that are doing this. And I'm like, man, you're giving us you're giving the, the good ones a bad name. Um, yeah. When it becomes something with a lot of these people, where it's like just over and over and over uh-huh. and over again, then it becomes a huge problem in the in the industry. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. I think we're oh, yeah. <laughs> we're all most of us in well pretty much all of us in this band you know we're all married we have a significant other we have kids we have a family and it's it's funny because I, I joke around about it but I don't joke around about it because it's very serious I call us like we, we got to be Keanu Reeves mm, like yes. that's yeah. that it's 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 the reality and it's funny 
when I say you got to be Keanu Reeves, but mm-hmm. like, I don't, it, it's to the point where like, I like, if I don't know you personally, mm-hmm. like, don't give me a hug. Don't touch me. Like, it's just, that's how I am. You can give me, give me a high five. Tell me I did a great job. That's fine. But if I don't personally know you, like, I feel weird when someone just comes up and gives me a hug or does something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I'm just like, Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, yeah. but I'm very like, I'm like, Nope, hands off for everything. Cause yep. I, we, we've already seen our, all of our heroes turn into villains in front of us, like brand new. <sighs> oh. And uh, some people like get behind, like get behind some of them and, and keep pushing them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like how on <laughs> earth can you still support that? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I like, you know, I'm, I'm, grow, Justin, and I grew up in Miami, so like, we're very like, we talk with our hands, or right? hug little thing, hug people. Mm-hmm. So we, when we play shows and people come up to us and go, "We love your set," or like, "Oh my god, I'm a big fan." I'm like, "Thanks, mm-hmm. Air Five, yep. or like, Hi-fi. Air Five, yeah." <laughs> I like the Keanu uh, thing though. I like all those pictures where yeah. he's like, you know, hand, yeah, hands are here, like, "Hey, one hundred percent." That's that's kind of been like the inside <laughs> joke with with out of time is just. You got to be Ke- Keanu Reeves, man. Mm. And, and not just good, age, good like, don't touch people. Too. Like, 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 that's what he's first to do. I, I even think we have like the buddy <laughs> system going on where we make sure like two of us are together at every time. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. And, 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 and like, like, it's important because it falls. Because I was saying, because it's important because not just like um, from, from like the, what's going on right now on the scene, but just from like accountability standpoint that's it's so mm. it's so in, incredibly important mm-hmm. and, yeah um and, and and luckily you know we are all guys that are um um down to earth and no skeletons in our closet and just really just honestly we, we we just do this for the love of music and and if i could just do this and, and play it to a room of like no one like my mom or or brother there that's great too but it's cool. It's a cool feeling to say that people come out to see us play and like sing and like and actually like want to talk to us after shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very. I approach that with a great trepidation that like I want to be very careful and I don't want people to ever think that we're that we're like trying to use our power, our minimal power, for anything negative. And that's not what we, who we are. And never would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit, shitty topic. To I feel get like into, it's the but... industry. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, it's the industry. It's not just the pop punk industry. It's it's music in general. I I I gotta ask, what what do you think the future of pop punk is? Like, not just like like bands, but like, what do you think a year from now? Where what's the trajectory of? Forget pop punk, just the music the music Mm. scene in general. Actually, where do you think we're going towards? Well, I have a little stupid little video thing that I made, and it's so it's so cringy. It's hilarious. But like, uh, at one point, I say. You know, I think, you know, I, I want to kind of deal with something kind of like Blink-182 smashed with Mr. Beast. So, like, I feel like that is going to take off at some point in time here. Bands are just lagging behind. They didn't want to get into social media in general. I feel like they kind of thought that that was a little below them for way too long of a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that they're forced to do it, I think eventually we're going to see that, especially with like like a younger artist or whatever. They're just going to jump into something that just becomes that. Yeah. And that's, you know, when we're talking about touring, like, oh, we're going to be, you know, they're just not going to tour as often. I just don't feel like people are going to tour as often. I agree. You know, with the COVID thing still lingering around forever. And then on top of it, you know, the venues all closing down 
I mean, there's a ton of venues in, in LA that's closed down. So it's just, I feel like that's where it's going to go. It's going to be very, very much like straight from artist to band or artist to audience. As, even yeah. if there isn't a label in, in between. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely, it I, I agree with you. I agree. I think that we're going to see a, a, a completely different trajectory to the future of this music industry. And um, I also think we're going to see a, a massive uptick with the closure of venues and house shows. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the future of this, of like the underground indie scene that you're mm-hmm. gonna, you're gonna. I, I remember when Justin, Justin and I, when we played in bands in high, like college, like early college, high school, mm-hmm. like, like we were like, hey, add us to a house show. Uh, it was a hardcore show, or at a church, like mm-hmm. church, yep. church, church shows, shows were great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, well, there was always because I'm like I was like a Christian kid and that grew up like during the tooth and nail era. Yep. And so oh, like, yeah. there was always yep. like this weird aspect of having rock bands at church. Sometimes the churches understood that like there weren't gonna be like always Christian bands there. And sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they because you know there was hard music half the time. You know, if you listen to Living Sacrifice or anything like that, <laughs> you understand like you don't know what the lyrics are. So they don't understand. Yeah. I I I think that'd be smart to back up. Like at one point in time, you know, I think my favorite my favorite story that I I, I always like telling everybody. Um, we we in down in South Florida, we had this venue called Rocket Town, and <laughs> it was similar to the one in Tennessee. It was like an indoor skate park, um, yes. and they thought that they were getting the Christian band Oceana to come in and play a, a set. But what they didn't know <laughs> is that it wasn't Oceana. It was the deathcore band Oceano, <laughs> which are two different bands, if you know what both these bands are. So I was a big Oceano fan. So I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. I need to be there. This is going to be a shit show. So <laughs> Rocket Town, like, so so our old band, um, we... <laughs> We 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 didn't inherit. We bought we bought a blow up doll for our friend <laughs> as a joke, and we would dress up the blow up doll in our merch, and it would just sit there at the table, just She's wearing our merch. Always so surprised. Always super She's surprised always to surprised. see people. <laughs> so, so they were like, "You guys can play here, but don't bring the blow up doll." <laughs> Like that was the only stipulation. They were like, "You're not bringing the blow up doll." So they would like they would cut your set if you cursed on stage. Like mm. this is the type of like venue this was. So we went there, fully knowing I, I'm like I'm gonna see at least one blast beat from Oceana before they cancel this show. So mm. the singer come like the the band comes out and they're like they're 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 building up and then the singer literally just grabs the microphone and just goes. <laughs> We're Oceano, and we support a woman's right to kill babies. Set done, and it was, it was the, it was the best fifteen dollars I've ever spent, just to see how fast this this venue just realized the mistake that they did because of a vowel. Holy crap! Um, but um, yeah. Then the venue closed down like two months later. So. <laughs> We, we we played so the, we, I remember and then Dan Justin and I played we played a we, we shot a, a, a live comp music video and we snuck um, the blow up doll with a merch in there and <laughs> she she crowds her during the set 
<laughs> so they got and, a video uh, in the music video of her crowd surfing, and then they're like, "You guys got to go." <laughs> so funny is that we didn't, we didn't we didn't get cut for our set for that, but the band mm. that, that cursed or their set got cut. But whatever. But the crazy thing is that I remember we we played like literally a week prior to the like, the best tour ever, in my opinion, to this day, the best lineup I've ever seen in a band. Uh, band package it was the Glamber Kills 2000 tour package. Mm. Uh, it was Transit, A Lost for Words, Polar Bear Club, The mm. Wonder Years. Oh my gosh! Like it was, it was source of was source of far on that too. Yeah, story of Storm was on that one too. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like it was, it was crazy to think that we played like a, a church venue uh, with a skate park. Uh, <laughs> literally, and then a week later, that that lineup that was tour there. package so, came through. So. But yeah, I, I think from like from a from a, it's gonna be a change change in the, in the future of the music industry. I think that we're gonna be utilizing houses to churches to uh, mm. warehouses again. Uh, Even VFWs, for, I can see VFWs yeah. getting big into it oh, again too. I hated those so much. I used to do live <laughs> sound for like people for a live sound mm. company, and I put on shows at VFWs, and it was just concrete, so it was you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear anything, but people yeah, still I mean, went and people still had fun at them. Time. Yeah. Very cheap in fact, we too. got kicked out of a couple of them because blood. They they were like spitting fake blood and doing stupid garbage. <laughs> Who was it? Bad Luck Thirteen. Oh. oh my god! Don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> you heard of Bad Luck Thirteen? Heard of? All right, so like they, they're like a DC hardcore band, and basically <laughs> like they spit. Like, is it actual blood or is it blood? No, it's fake blood. It's but fake blood. they they do get a they they do like chain the doors shut. And they like just sit there and they like hit metal on like this grinder and like send sparks out into the audience. Uh, they had a tire fire at uh, um, this is hardcore in Philly, like under a bridge. They just started a tire fire. They were um, banned. From, they were banned from venues, and they would basically mm-hmm. like play shows under a pseudo name, and then bad luck their would come on stage, and they're like, "Oh, oh shit, no, not again!" <laughs> you crazy kids. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it's like yes we're, we're we're booking bad schluck bad schmuck 12 bad schmuck 12 <laughs> or 12 angry schmucks but yeah i, I there's think definitely a few venues closed down by that in outside of uh chicago <laughs> it's oh, not geez. fun <laughs> Dude. yeah i i, I think the, i think that that the the vfws and the churches and warehouses and houses are going to be the future mm. of of the underground music scene, mm-hmm. uh, which it's honestly very exciting. You know, that, that brings me back to like what got me into music and Justin's same thing. Like that's going to be yep. a future. I used to run a, like a warehouse venue out in Miami that everyone would come to. Mm-hmm. So I think I, used was to like- do a, I had a recording studio outside of uh, Chicago for probably six months. And I, I wasn't getting enough rent uh, or enough to pay rent. And uh, I just started having shows at it. And the the lady next door that was like a hairdresser started calling the the cops and whatnot. <laughs> so it's like she'd stay late. I'm like, dang it, this show's supposed to start at ten. She was supposed to be gone at seven. Why is she still here? <laughs> Why is she still here? We can even see so, we can even see some more shows at Denny's. Oh man! Yes. <laughs> so, or the, well, so, didn't they have one at the old block? The last blockbuster. Yes. Yeah, the one in Alaska. <laughs> Yeah. So it's funny you say that about the, the, the warehouse. Um, fun little anecdote. Um, 
So one of our songs on our, on our EP mindset, it's called graveyard. And the story behind that is that when we were in a band many years ago, um, the guy who was recording us, basically we're, we're trying to share a studio space between a bunch of bands and we had the contract ready like it was a super sweet spot like ac which is a big a big win for a warehouse uh spot in miami uh, in miami it had like a, like a bathroom it was, it was unreal and we were going to sign a contract and the guy just goes now f that and he's like no here's the money he's like no fuck money the only thing that speaks to me is the graveyard. So the reason why one of our songs is called Graveyard, it's originally the original title was the only thing that speaks to me is the graveyard. We mm-hmm. we condensed it and called it Graveyard. So I I empathize with the whole house show and people like you know either calling the cops or not wanting to to rent out spaces to bands. Who, who's your I, I, so your so I won't hold against you. You're a Trekkie, but who's your like your like go to like like superhero? Like, what's, like, your number one? DC or Marvel? Mm. I don't care. It's really hard. Um, I kind of go in waves, kind of like with music or whatever. So, I mean, right now, I'm kind of reading through the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. So, like, right. I really love those a lot at the moment time. Uh, for Marvel stuff, I always love Cap. I yep. just always have. And uh, DC, I mean, DC is kind of like an odd duck to me. I never really liked them growing up. And then when I got, unless it was like the 92 Batman show or something. Yeah. And then once I got older, I kind of like had a bigger appreciation for, for what they do. So, yeah. Do you think Robert Pattinson as Batman to be good? <laughs> I imagine it'll be fun. Colin Farrell's going to be yeah, great. To be honest, like whenever they cut, whenever they cast anybody else besides Batman, it's usually like, Oh, that's good. And the, but like they, unless they're, in order to not piss off anybody, they need to cast somebody that's n- a nobody. Yeah. So they go out and find like a, a, a Hugh Jackman or whatever, where like nobody knew him. He was like on Broadway doing Oklahoma or something at the time. And yeah. uh, so if they find someone like that, you know, I'm sure everyone will be like, well, we don't know who this is. We'll give him an honest chance. Right. You know. I, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hopeful for the bat, for the, the Batman movie. Uh, yeah. Cause the, you know, uh, except for one, Wonder Woman, I thought it was pretty decent. Wonder Woman uh, was uh, good. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Third I, was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it went from like, oh, no, nah, fuck you. Yeah. Um, but once Marvel, you get to the end of that movie, you're like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Scratch your head, like, I'm like, uh. But Marvel is every. I think the best thing Marvel has done, in my opinion, and it's a, it's a popular opinion, the whole Deadpool franchise. I think Ryan Reynolds, like, my God. Like, and he came such a long way from his X-Men Origins, like the whole like mm. when, he, when, he, when he played uh, like the whole like the whole Deadpool thing in, in there and, and like a shit show of that. Um, but I think Marvel has just hit it out of the park from like, um, except for Captain Marvel could have been a little bit better, but like Black Panther, Avengers movies, I think they've done a very good the job. Netflix bringing... shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Punisher. Punisher is my oh, all-time is favorite. I still watched the second season. Yeah. Ooh, oh man, that second the second season of Punisher and the third season of Daredevil are like my favorite. So when when I come down uh, to do band stuff, like I always say, Justin's and literally the only th- three things we'll watch is Letterkenny. It's always <laughs> it's always sunny, and uh, either Punisher no, or no Daredevil was the last time we think we watched. Yeah, Daredevil it. was the last time we were watching. 
and I, I never watched it and like i was like hooked and i'm like yeah. dude this is so good and then i started watching punisher i'm like wow this is even better like and then the, the crossover I'm like my oh my gosh that, that did i get you into the boys when you were down two once that was oh. that that show <laughs> holy crap that show to me is like I, I season two. It was crazy. Like the reviews on like Amazon Prime, it doesn't like like that great of like a review. But mm. my gosh, what a what a show! What a it has show. it has great critic reviews for season two, but the fan reviews weren't as good as yeah. season one. But I loved it. Yeah, I thought season two was. Phenomenal. I feel like that's a different like, it's a different beast from Netflix. I feel like the Amazon shows are probably more geared to like family. <laughs> ask people because of Amazon yeah. in general. Yeah. So you're going to get that. We're like, I didn't like too much violence. You know? I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll never forget the season, in season one when the deep is, is stealing the, the truck, <laughs> the dolphin, dolphin. <laughs> in the truck. And it goes through the windshield. I'm like, and then it gets hit by the car. I'm like, this show is dark. But <laughs> it, it's, my gosh. That show keeps honestly, getting better, man. You know, yeah, I'm I'm glad that like there's more shows like that coming out because then we can start eclipsing this like CW stuff that's get keeps getting worse and yep. worse. <laughs> I feel like every every ever since Buffy ended, the CW WB CW shows have just gotten more campy and just uh, unbearable. Like I like people people have been trying to like like oh man you, you really like Buffy and you like um Hemlock Grove I was watching at the time and you really like Hemlock Grove you're really gonna like Supernatural and I'm like oh I'll give Supernatural <laughs> a shot I got three episodes into Supernatural I'm like this is like if you took Buffy and you just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends that love that show that have watched what? The, well, how many seasons was that? Like fifteen or something? It's like fifteen Crazy. seasons right now. Jeez. They, I think they finally ended it, but it was like one of the last shows that was like originally started on the WB, and they just yeah, and it just kept going on to the CW. Smallville though, back in the day, because Smallville was great. Was like one of the only well, Smallville was like one of the only shows like that was like an yeah. adult-ish show for superheroes. You know, it's just you know we had every once in a while but you know shows so i'm glad uh, flash was good for the first season and or two uh, and then it got weird uh the rest of them were pretty awful i mean arrow yeah. for the first couple seasons was good too but yeah it's just after that it's just i, I, <laughs> like, I heard i, I guess i was talking first, first season was kind of and the season two is pretty good or is that yeah Iron yeah Fist. it picks up the second one a little bit more the first season is so many board meetings and stuff it's just <laughs> awkward and then like the fighting fight. scenes the fighting scenes that they did because he he literally went from game of thrones to iron okay, fist yeah. he mm -hmm. couldn't learn all the choreography so they slowed the choreography down and then they sped mm -hmm. it up in post yeah uh that's one of the things that makes Daredevil like amazing is the the camera work and the choreography behind all the stuff that they do. And then like someone who is supposed to be one of the best fighters in the Marvel, it's like, what the heck? I'm yeah, actually anxious to see this Chang Shi movie coming out because he's supposed to be the best kung fu person ever. He's not really supposed to have any powers. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about the the next wave of Marvel. I'm really excited that they're in the talks again of bringing back Punisher and possibly Daredevil. For Disney Plus? Yeah, uh, or maybe Hulu. Oh, wow. Yeah, I imagine they probably want to keep that separate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the Mandalorian is pretty I think brutal. Disney owns Miramax, but they probably wouldn't put it in there. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. But, I mean, the Mandalorian is pretty brutal already, yeah. so it could be put on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. There's some scenes that are like, I'm like, wow, I, I'm surprised it's on a Disney show, but I don't know. Mm. Um, what was it? Simply uh, not Daredevil. Yeah. Oh, Did Daredevil's King brutal. Like, King could like beat someone's like skull in or something like that. Like, he decapitated he, someone with a car door. Yep, the car. That's what it was. <laughs> a car door. Yeah. I remember watching. Like, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. But uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is just gold. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they cast him because like right. growing up growing up you'd see a movie or something and there's like there's like one scene of a movie that just get you because of how brutal it was and like nowadays it's like that scene is like 10 times at every show and <laughs> so we're like my it's, wife still hates um uh what's what's the uh uh put your teeth on the curb american oh, history american x, history x. American history. She, she will that never she won't want to be talking yep. about it nope. like uh I'm, there's a matt damon movie where he like busts a dude in the face with a bat and blood flies across the wall you don't even see it so it's kind of like he's a lawyer. Rainmaker. Rainmaker, yeah. It's funny because like, you know, I I work in like benefits administration and I remember like it was like three years ago, I was on the phone and it was this older guy and he he I was like I was helping him out with like his pension, like the most boring subject ever. And at at the end of the call he goes, Hey, are you into video games? And I said, is the sky blue? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, he's like, he's like, I know no one's ever going to believe you, but I'm going to tell you this right now. And I'm only saying this because the movie's about to come out. He goes, I work, he's like, I'm, I'm the vice president of uh, Sony, um, whatever the movie marketing company is for Sony. And he's like, if you like video games, we just okayed the script for Uncharted. And he hangs up the phone. And I go, what? (laughs) I had to live with this information for years and and no one believes me because like they're never going to do an Uncharted movie. And now Tom Holland is Nathan Drake. Drake. (laughs) He also said there's a Last of Us movie in production. So we'll see. Well, well, Justin, you you can't keep a secret, can you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been three years. I can say it's spoiler free. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited about Seth Rogen doing the new next uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yep. Those Michael, uh, Michael Bay ones were freaking awful. Well, Seth Rogen was a producer for the Boys. Was he really? Oh yeah, I yeah, that. yeah. He was he was he was one of the like executive producers for the Boys. So I 100 percent trust him with his you know vision for uh, any type of comic book, especially Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where they're basically, you know, four stoners living in the sewers eating pizza and knows martial arts. That's perfect for for Seth Rogen. The humor I hope, like the, I, I hope one of them has his laugh. If if Michelangelo if he voices Michelangelo, that would that's it. That's game changing for me. That would be so funny. <laughs> oh man, that's that's awesome. Well, guys, I think we should probably wrap it up. My daughter's yep. like, oh, Dad, I got to go to bed. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. No Let's problem. Thanks touch. for having us. And uh, no problem. Thanks for the nerd talk as well. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Man. Anytime, man. Thanks for having us. All right. See you later. Take it easy, guys. See ya. Thank you, guys. See ya. Bye.